Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to a Believe podcast. I'm your host, John Heusenstamm. This is the Guitar Life. My special guest today is guitarist, singer, Beth Pachet Wood. And she has been a lifelong professional musician, let alone mother and wife of another professional musician, Steve Wood. And what a journey it has been delightful talking with her and I hope you enjoy our conversation. Thanks for doing this. You're welcome. I, I really appreciate uh, your time. Thanks. Oh, you're welcome, John. Yeah. And um, you mentioned that you were uh, going to swim first. So is that a regular thing that you do? You go uh, swimming at the pool? Yeah, I, at, I swim at, too. At the local high school? Yeah, twice a week. You know, they just give you a little 45-minute window to swim, and it's it's just the best thing for health in general. Cool. It's Yeah. I, I know, too, uh, that you do uh, Taekwondo. Is that uh, another... Uh, thing that you do to stay in shape, or is that a, a more holistic type of uh, thing? Yes. Like to protect yourself or something like No, it's not really to protect. We've never <laughs> come you across never looked at it that a situation. Well, we, we do look at it that way because that's, that's, the, uh, that's the kind of little mental trick that we use to... Justify? To, to not justify, but, but to measure up every move against... Oh, that's up. interesting. You see what I mean? So all there, there are all these moves, and you need to measure up every move against how effective this would be against a, an adversary or something. Uh-huh. Not like you want to ever try it out. It's make-believe until it really happens. It's make-believe until it really happens, but it does make you strong when you do the moves sure. correctly and when you do them with the most power. Um, it gives you a really, really good workout. I'm only thinking of this. Yeah. Because I've been out late at night, yeah, loading my stuff in my uh, in the back of my van, yeah. and suddenly there's a dark figure behind me, yeah, staring at all my equipment, you know, and uh, looking at me, and I, I feel right. a little bit, uh, you know, vulnerable. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, having maybe some skills like that would, uh, well, you know, well, the most the the most there are a couple of things that it does for you. One of the one of the most effective things that it does for you is it makes you aware. Okay. It makes you aware of, aware of your situation, of who is around you, of how big they are, of how they feel, of how you feel. And it it just makes you aware of what's around you, how you where right. you would run. It just makes you aware of that. Mm-hmm. It, the more you do it, it makes you aware of that and also makes you more confident because you'd feel like you've got options because you're aware of that. Okay. And it also makes you stronger. Physically, so, yeah, so anyway, you know, it's an exercise. Yes, because it's a because it's an exercise, and it's one of the only exercises, really, except for some of those, you know, some of those regular sports like 
football or basketball or something. It's, it's like the, one of the only ones where you do everything as hard as you possibly can. Okay. It's not like yoga where you just stretch yourself out or you're very peaceful or anything. You're you're doing everything as hard and as wickedly as you possibly can, and that's sort and of it so just, it develops an awareness of all your muscles. They're all at standby, yeah. ready to ready to jump into action. Yeah, so, ac- ac- so exactly. So you're more you're more. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, your your catalyst is uh, ready ready to be uh, <laughs> ready yeah. to be uh, ready to be employed distributed. But yeah, ready to be employed uh-huh. distributed throughout your body, your adrenaline, whatever. Exactly, it's and more it's more apt to uh, react mm-hmm. uh, in a in an efficient, quick way. I guess. Yeah, in a correct way, in a yeah. way that's 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 going to be most functional for your situation, and that's how you do music too. I mean, when we're playing with music, we try to play, we try to play with the most um, the least movement possible for the greatest effect right right oh sure yeah in the most relaxed state yeah Yeah, in the most relaxed state so that we don't when we're doing this thing ten thousand thirty thousand times we don't we don't end up hurting ourselves the same same thing with that other stuff you know it's just we can talk about that distraction you know musicians are capable of uh Creating and doing in- interesting uh, things in the midst of distraction, yes. which is, is the yes. what the Norwegian scientists discovered that the musicians yes. are the more apt to take exams uh, better because uh, they're able to uh, you function under a distraction. You right, know? in yeah. a way, multitask. Yeah, multitasking. There you go. Multitask because because <clears throat> it is really profound multitasking. If you think about being a musician, I mean. Uh, if you think about well, any musical instrument, even one that just plays one note, yeah, it doesn't matter what <laughs> doesn't instrument. Matter what it's it just is. the the idea of it. Yeah, it's 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 playing music, tapping into some kind of soul, kind of a thing. Also, yeah. employing all of, all of your technique at all times and being, yeah. So so uh, let's talk about uh, uh, your influences when you're. Uh, Getting into music when you were very young, I, I'm presuming you were pretty young when you started. Well, that's the funny thing. That I mean, in a way, that's a, that's a complicated answer. Um, I okay, loved, I want to hear this complicated answer. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm sorry it's a complicated answer, but it's it's kind of an unexpected answer too. But okay, um, you know, I loved music always the most, more than anything. I okay. can remember when I, you know. The first time I, ever, I was ever on stage, I was three years old, and that's a that's kind of a little picture of that in in, in my on my website. Okay, I was singing "Somebody Bad Stole the Wedding Bell," and um, but I always sang, even though I was very 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 shy. I always sang all the time, and I noodled around on the piano, and I had a really good ear, but I didn't start playing seriously until I was fifteen. Okay. But I was always listening to music, and I was always singing, and I was always in the choir, mm-hmm. always. I had a little few piano lessons. Love of music, basic. Love of music, yeah. yeah just sure. so, so there were a million songs in my head already fully, well, fully What about there. Uh, uh, relatives or influences, like other people in the uh, neighborhood or at school yeah. or in, any other musicians that they used to No. There were, I, I grew up in, in Phoenix, Arizona, and I okay. didn't know one musician. My mother and my father both loved singing, okay. and they were both in kind of musical theater. theater at, oh, that would n- help. But, the, but they weren't professionals by any means. They, they were just in the you know, uh-huh. amateur musical theater. But they encouraged you to sing whenever you felt like it, Oh, right? yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, that, and and so go. we'd get a new record album, say, every month. We'd get a new 
And the family um, would, would all enjoy listening together? and Not together. We, it was a kind of a dysfunction. <laughs> okay. It was kind of a nightmare. Yeah. But uh, Like what was some of that music? Well, you, it, so, so that's the that's what I was kind of trying to remember to get around to was was my favorites when I was like four and five were Harry Belafonte. Okay. Because he did that Deo and all yeah, that yeah, stuff yeah, was coming I love out all then. This stuff. Yeah, and then um Burl Lives, I adored. Yeah, Burl I Lives. listened to Burl Lives too. Yeah. Yeah. That that folk music and, and the lovely guitar that he played. And also um uh, Mary Martin and um, Pete Seeger at all? No. Oh, okay. I didn't get into any of that folk music. I, that they didn't. Ha- they didn't know from folk music in okay. Phoenix in okay. nineteen in the fifties, you know. So, but it was you know I, uh, the um, the prairie, uh, you know, the cool water and all those. The uh, oh, I got we we did. Was that, was that a Burl Lives? Uh, no, it wasn't Burl Lives. It was uh, Peter and the Wolf. Peter and the Wolf, I loved. <laughs> yeah, there loved you go. Loved Peter and the Wolf. There and Porgy go. and Bess. Are you kidding? I mean, I just loved that. And also, Leonard Bernstein, when I was about 10, he put out this. Yeah, Sammy Davis this, Jr. and uh, that movie. Yes, uh, yes. That was really Sammy Davis Jr. Yeah. was, yeah. But, but um, yeah, and they were in the, in the original cast album with, with Dorothy Dandridge. And oh my gosh, that was. That anyway, was that, yeah, you've, fabulous. You've, you've answered my question. That's my so so the, you know, how the so got how the palette got wet. How you really like uh, big, yeah, big survey. Yeah. And then during the middle the middle of the fifties, when I was five and six and seven, I started listening to the rock and roll and stuff like that, and right, and some of that stuff, and I loved that. So you were saying uh, not until you were fifteen. Right. Is that is that when you? Um, Started working with other people. When did you start to no, interacting I mean, I with the musicians? I didn't even. <laughs> there were no, there were no musicians. Right. It's my mom knew one musician, one famous musician, Margaret Whiting, and she used to come around town occasionally and hang out with my mother. Uh, but my mom sang all the time, and and we I I had two sisters, and we sang harmony with each other all the time. Always sang harmony, oh, okay. you know, from the time I was five and six and seven. So those were your, those were your. Uh, yeah. So I was, I was compadres. working with. Yeah. <laughs> so it wasn't musicians per se. It was just kind of like what it used to be uh-huh. with, you know, with music, which was it was just a part of our lives, even though we didn't know any professional musicians, because it was impossible to make a living back then as a musician, almost. Steve's so, father. Steve's so father. when did the band thing happen, though? When did you become a band member? I mean, uh, how, well, old, how then, old were you when that happened? Well, then, you know, then when I was 15, I heard Bob Dylan. Right. And that changed. Like a Rolling Stone? It, no. No. As a matter of fact, it was the Girl from the North Country album. It was that Okay, one. yeah. It was a freewheeling I album. I love that music. It was a freewheeling <laughs> album. And, and it was... It was remarkable i don't know why i liked it so much because he had the most horrifying sounding voice at first but then sorry bob yeah sorry about (laughs) no but but the on by the time the second song came around i was on the floor weeping because i it was so great yeah no he's you know what i mean it's poetry yeah Yeah. no but the, the way he sings too the way he expresses it just killed me storytelling just killed me and then there was this fellow in town that um a a friend of mine he was over at this friend of mine's house and he had his guitar and i'd never seen such a thing you know okay anybody playing 
an instrument really well that right in front of me and he was like two years older than we were, were and he was this and, is in your when you're when yeah, you're 15 this was when well this was when i was 13 or 14 okay and he was wonderful and he was still so wonderful that we all talk about him and wonder where he went he was fabulous and he had run away from home and gone to new york city and he had learned these songs by this guy named Bob Dylan because he was <laughs> hanging out with Bob Dylan. So he brought all these songs back. You know, John Brown went off to war. You know, the very oh, yeah, first sure. songs, the very first songs that Bob Dylan ever wrote, he learned them. I have that first book of all of his yeah, songs. Yeah. yeah, and he was there. And this guy came back and he sang these songs to us and he just killed us. Tell you how the night shimmered on the water And the loons called across the island And the rain came How can I tell you how the house whispered in the darkness To the girl lying still and sleepless How she loved you and oh How can I tell you how much I miss you How can I tell you how much I miss you How could you go then When the air just was getting warmer And the boat waited in the water For the summer the time when we would be with you, how we love you, and oh, how can I tell you how much I miss you, how can I tell you how much I miss you, round any corner I may see your eyes, looking from the face of a stranger That was from her Sacred Crow CD, recorded in 1996. Beth Fichet Wood, she's fantastic. This is The Guitar Life. I'm John Hoisenstam, your host. This is a Believe podcast. If you're enjoying our show, please subscribe. Makes plenty of sense. So good. And that's when I fell in love with music. Okay. And that's when I fell in love with it, and I had to do it. There was no more question about, oh, Beth likes music best. No, uh-uh. Beth is totally obsessed. <laughs> you know, and oh, you, know, that's good. You, know what, you know what I mean? I don't know. Sure, if you of course got, I know what you, you, you know, mean. It's like an obsession. It's like you fell in love with it. It's, there's, there's no doubt about it. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's good. Just commitment. absolutely Life, Lifelong crazy. commitment. Yeah. yeah. 
And you don't know what the hell is happening. You just know that you have to get your hands on a guitar and you have to play it. And, you know, the whole time you're sitting in class and everything, you're going, okay, I think that was probably B or G or that. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, I just telling my wife last night, I go, when I got into junior high, I go, that was it. I was a good student yeah. up until yeah. then. The minute I decided I was going to be a professional musician, uh-huh. That was it. I just said, school is not for me. Uh-huh. Music is for me. And the sooner yeah. I get out of this cage, the better. So, because so what, there's a world out there. How old were you then? Uh, you know, my early teens. Okay. Four, 13, 14. Yeah. yeah. Four, I was already playing professionally when I was 14. Oh, wow. Uh-huh. Like I had a job. Yeah. You know? I mean, wow. my, the band that wow. I was in, we were working all the time. Wow. And one of those guys lives yeah. here in uh, Laguna Beach, uh-huh. John Prado. He, uh-huh. he was a guitarist. I was the bass player. Oh, and we out. were working uh-huh. all the time. Wow, that's yeah. far out. That's, that's really we cool. We had a really good band. Yeah. We won like the Pepsi Battle of the Bands in Pomona <laughs> and all kinds of interesting things uh, for little kids. Yeah, I mean, right, right. We were like that's cool. 13, 14, 15, yeah. and 16. And the 16-year-old uh-huh. guy had a car. Yeah, and, <laughs> right. And a trailer. I think he had a Rambler and uh-huh. a trailer. And he, we yeah. just threw all our equipment there, and we just went to all these teen, uh, yeah, you know, teen dances, and we oh, were, wow. were we were busy. Yeah. Uh huh. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. We yeah, because fun. we we had, there was nobody around, and then when, finally when I when I finally got my fifteen, and we started playing and everything, then we had a friend just like you say, mm-hmm. who was who was sixteen who had a car, and we used to start going to the coffee houses, of which there were maybe two in town okay and then there were and then there were people around 18 or 19 starting to learn how to play the, the older kids were starting to learn how to play stuff and you'd go and you'd watch them right. and i never had a teacher okay. i just learned on my own i just learned by needle drop i got really good at needle, yeah no needle me drop too. that's the, how i learned you know yeah they didn't and, have all the educational tools no, you have now that no, kids have with the no, internet yeah and you, and you didn't have a teacher or whatever you just you just learned yourself by ear so Great. you know so so um so that's but 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 i was so in love with it it was crazy but i actually was able to multitask and um and i still did fine in school i still mm-hmm. got really good grades in school but i wasn't yeah. thinking about it not me yeah <laughs> <laughs> Well, it no. was that multitasking thing for me. I mean, it was it was I was so, able to do that. So, so, so I, I know that you hooked up with Steve eventually, mm-hmm. your husband Steve Wood. But uh, yeah. before that, yeah, h- how many like bands or professional situations, maybe duos, trios, whatever yeah. you were doing? How much of that took place before you actually uh, met Steve? Well, there was there was just one group. There was one group in Phoenix that I kind of got tangled up with. I had a good friend, and then she, we just, she finally, she had more nerve than I did, so she would just kind of go find some music, and she found these, this duo of guys, one of, Doug Haywood and Jeff Gilkinson, and uh, we met them, and then they became, then we kind of started a band with them, Mm -hmm. and that was, it was really Doug Haywood and Jeff and I, who actually then left Phoenix and came to LA to try to make something out of our lives. Mm-hmm. And then and then we had a, a band with different members, but the, those guys mainly were in our band. And uh, after we got to LA, we started going around to all the hoots, you know, all the hoot nights and everything. You, you were, what, 18, 19 by then? Or? 19. Okay. Yeah. 
old I enough to be away from your parents. Yeah, but 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 you know, I go, I well, like you said, I went to college. I got in a really good college, and then I went to college for about two months and realized I wasn't going to have enough time to practice, so I quit. Mm-hmm. What was your practicing like when you were practicing as a musician, learning the guitar? How how much time did you spend at it? I spent all the time, but I didn't do you scales. You lived with it. Scales drove me nuts. Okay. I, I and I, I'm really sorry that I didn't learn how to do scales and I didn't learn how to do the nuts and bolts of it. I mm-hmm. didn't learn how to do. I didn't learn the nuts and bolts of music until twenty years later, maybe, mm-hmm. or maybe ten years later, or something like that. So I just learned how to play songs, song after song after song after song, you know. And I just would sit down with the Burt Jansky al- album or something and pick out those. Can I can I just yeah. stop you for a second sure. because when I go in to do a recording, right? Yeah. I find the most difficult thing is to do that bed, to do that rhythm guitar part, to do the uh, the uh-huh. foundation of the song. Uh-huh. So in a yeah. way, you probably you forged a style of guitar playing that would make you a very good compatible musician in any kind of a group or a music because you have you have a, a intuition about what the song needs as far as a rhythm guitar right. part you know right well it was it was song based it was always song based i told you i, I fell in love with music because of bob dylan and right. that songs right there i mean it wasn't because i particularly liked electric guitar or anything like that although i loved that folk guitar sound that you know peter paul and mary sure. that kind of stuff but but I you did that. play electric guitar eventually. I didn't. I I did play electric guitar eventually when I got into honk. Uh huh. But okay. only after I got into honk, and then they just handed me this lovely Epiphone guitar. Yeah, and, was that a casino? Or, yes, a casino. It's a casino. Yeah. Yeah, I got a picture casino. of you uh, yeah. holding that. I want to use that for the. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and I still I still play that in the honk. Oh, band. it's great that you have it. Yeah. yeah. I still do. Great I, instrument. Yeah. There, there was another one. There was a red one, too, with P90 pickups. Was that a Sheraton, I think they call those? A Sheraton, Casino, Riviera? I don't I don't know. I have never... That's with, that's one thing is I've never been the kind of guitar player that gets into and that knows what yeah, guitars yeah. are well, what. Well, you were given the best guitar you could possibly have right from the get-go. Anyway. Yeah, right. I mean, I was. Yeah. I, I, I get, like, the I mean, guitar... the Beatles played those. Yeah, the, I know. I know that was like John <laughs> Lennon's guitar, <laughs> and and I, yeah, just stop right just, there. <laughs> yeah, just give me the best guitar. Okay, yeah. you know, and the and the then the guitar that my mom bought me a was a, was that '66 Martin that's right there. D twenty eight. Yeah, no, D D D eighteen. Oh, the mahogany D eighteen. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're a, incredible it's from the 60s. It's a fabulous, 60s, yeah. fabulous instrument. It yeah, took a while yeah. to break it in. Did you I, play it on the uh, Facebook? Yeah. Uh huh. Ah, sounds yeah. fantastic. Yeah, and it's yeah. it's just starting. No, you know, it's, it's over fifty years old now, so it's starting to get pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> like you, <laughs> you're starting to learn what to do. Yeah, I guess. starting to learn what to do. Good lord. Yeah, good. You know, oh, but that's I, but great anyway, stuff. so so what you're talking about about the um, the the backing up of, of of songs. Yeah, that's what I learned. Yeah, and I couldn't get myself, and I did not understand. The single note stuff. Well, I just want to say so, that it would be much more important, and it, it's interesting how, uh, you know, R.I.P. to Eddie Van Halen, who just passed yeah, away. Yeah. But the only thing I read was his description of how important it is to be a great rhythm guitar player. Oh, really? Because ninety percent of the time you're up there playing in a band, it's yeah. all a rhythm guitar part, right. and then the lead part is just you know a little bit of flash. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but you're having to contribute to the actual song. Yeah. 
you know. But 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 as a rhythm guitarist, you know, you need to know the song from the beginning to the end. Whereas right. if you're just a great lead guitar right. player, but you don't have a handle on, uh, yeah, you know. And, and Jimmy Page said the same thing. The reason why uh -huh. our band is successful is because uh, yeah, the the way the guitar constructs the uh, song from beginning to end, right? With all the rhythm guitar parts. And yeah. then there's some flashy lead, sure, but uh -huh. that's why you'd make a good band member is because uh, you got that part yeah. covered, which is really important, yeah. by well, the way. <laughs> well, you know, I I, I was in the, that band, um, if, you know, for, for maybe about two years or something. By the way, the the guy the the guitar player Doug Haywood, I introduced him to Jackson Brown. Then he was in Jackson Brown's first band for. 20 years oh wow so there you have it right <laughs> so, there you're in you're in uh company at high esteem right, right off the get -go. yeah and then jeff gilkinson who was the other guy i was talking about that we started bands with um he ended up playing with the dillards he's a fabulous banjo player and harmonic player and just just great one of those guys both of those guys are just like yeah. telepathic yeah, they're, you know, they're just it's your language of music. They're, really, they they yeah. truly com uh, 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 communicate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you just, you <laughs> I just, know what you mean. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and you're playing with them, and you just all know where to go, and you just know how to get so mittied to each other. Yeah. Although there was no such midi, thing. that's a good uh, way of describing you know, it. Yeah. yeah. Without that, without any kind of, it's wireless midi. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, I know. It, what you it mean. is like telepathic. Sure. I mean, but those were those were. That was my first band, and that was the band that really kind of, really kind of set my yeah. mind, set the tone of Platform what I to build on. Yeah, to build on is because those guys listened like crazy, mm -hmm. and you know most youngsters when they're in bands they don't know about listening, and that's the most important thing you can do is you listen. You listen to your band members. You listen to the audience. You listen. You pay attention to everything. Don't expect to talk about you Remembering you to friends Or what it's like now living without you It's shameful to pretend You are lost a haze, a wish, a fate Circles in Sand by Beth Fischet Wood. That was from her Angel on My Shoulder recording, 2005. She's something really talented. I want to say how happy we are that Plexiderm is a sponsor of the Believe Podcast Network. Plexiderm. Summer is over and fall is upon us. It's increasingly difficult to find that extra time for you. The time you need to take care of yourself and look your best. We musicians, we always have to look our best. 
Plexiderm. Great way to go if you want your skin to look fantastic for a photo op. With Plexiderm, all you need is 10 minutes and you can look 10 years younger. No kidding. Plexiderm is a clinically studied serum that gives you the right kind of changes, making your skin look fantastic. It visibly reduces wrinkles, visibly erases fine lines, and even under-eye bags in minutes. And the results will last for hours. Call to action. You can try a six-application trial pack for just $14.95 with free shipping. When you visit Plexiderm.com and use the code BLEAVE, that's Plexiderm.com and use the code BLEAVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, at checkout. Make those wrinkles, lines, and under-eye bags disappear with Plexiderm. Plexiderm, fantastic product. You're not just paying attention to what you're putting out. You have as big a thing coming in as you do going out. And so, 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 sorry. Yeah. So, so anyway, that was that. And then after about three years of being, or two years of being here, then I got into honk. That. So, so you get into honk, yeah. right? And it's primarily an original group, right? I mean, or did you guys just have a whole? Uh, oh, everything. 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 And I mean, great covers. The uh, kitchen sink. You did. You did everything. some of the Dylan songs that you love. Whatever. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And Freddie Hubbard. Everything, everything. Oh, cool. We did a Dave Brubeck. First time I ever saw those guys. I, I'll never forget their set. It was uh, they did my analyst. Steve sang it. My analyst told me that I was right yeah, yeah. head. You know they did. He, <laughs> They're off dead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So they did that. They did um, real jazz. Yeah, real real live jazz. And they also did da 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 Blue Rondo all a Turk. I think they did that. And then they did a couple of originals that their friend Mark had wrote, written, and they did uh, they did something else. How fun! You know? So I mean, so they Honk was a busy band. Yeah, he must have done a lot of gigs with that band. Oh, we did a lot of gigs, but but I I first saw them about two months after they formed. You know, that's when I first met them. It was uh, it was like I was twenty. It was like February nineteen seventy. You know, and that was about a month after they got together and it was just how did, yeah how did that happen that you actually great. they were looking for a no female no. member but how was, did you become a member of the band i mean well <laughs> they didn't audition that, female vocalists and guitar players right oh no, no 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 yeah this is no, interesting they, i want to hear uh, how this happened <laughs> yeah well I, I mean that's that's the kind of funny thing was uh it, it's that'll take probably the whole rest of the time to tell it, but it's really a cool story. Okay, I want to hear. It's really it. a cool story. You got you got so plenty anyway, of time. So anyway, I was going to uh, I I was going to all the hoot nights in L.A. and I came across this guy Jackson Brown who had heard me in my band and he'd come up to me and he said, "I really liked your music. I really liked the way you sing." I said, "Thank you very much." And I thought to myself, "Went well, that's a cute guy." And so then he was up next, and he sang These Days. Yeah. And he sang From Silver Lake and The Times You Come and um, Opening, I got that music opening at home. Farewell. <laughs> and I just died. 
Yeah. I just, it was so good, I could not even believe it. And then I was a firm fan of his. And I would go listen to him play, and I learned his songs. Uh-huh. You know, because I, I could, in those days, that's how we did it. We didn't have recorders or anything. We just went and took a bar napkin and wrote down their songs, and we learned them. You're answering a question that I was going to put you about songwriting groups and uh, yeah. that sort of thing. Yeah. It, that's just a natural uh, way it happened originally. Yeah, right. And so anyway, I, th- I thought he was great. So I, my friend who, who we'd come to California with knew a publisher named uh, Mickey Goldson, and he had a publishing company named Criterion, and I took... I've heard Jackson, yeah, yeah, Jackson Brown's songs and played them for Mickey's son, Bo Goldson. I played these songs that I'd stolen from Jackson. I said, you got to listen to these things. These things are really great. And he went, holy my God. And then he went and found Jackson and signed him. And they oh, made you're it. instrumental in that, huh? Yeah. How cool I is brought, that? I brought that to, uh, to Mickey, you know, to Bo, and he went and found him. And then he didn't like Jackson's voice. So he wanted me to sing the demos for Jackson <laughs> Brown. So he was also working with Honk. Just weirdly, okay. he was working with Honk. And so he had me do the, do the Jackson, you know, sing Jackson's songs, and, and we needed some accompaniment, so we got Honk. But meanwhile, I had met Honk because, because Jackson was playing... You know, he was nobody then, too. It was like we were on an equal level, except that he was a genius, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. And um, But he became a pretty good friend of mine. And uh, so, anyway, uh, Jackson was playing at the Golden Bear in Huntington Beach. And I thought, well, maybe I can go get a gig at the Golden Bear if Jackson's playing there. And so I went there on Monday night to try to get a gig there. And that's the same night that Steve and Honk were playing. And that's when I met Steve and at the, that's when I meant the honk band huh. was on the Monday night when we were both trying to get a gig at the Golden Bear. And wow. And then there was this other thing where they happened to know the publishing company guy that we knew and and they okay. needed a band to back me there up. There was an excuse to communicate. <laughs> yeah, there was like there was like this double whammy thing going sure. on that had Jackson Brown as as a central focal point of the whole thing. Yeah. And the fact that I you know, learned these songs, these songs. Yeah, well, that's a great story. You know, and then so that's so that's what happened, and then uh, the, and then we were rehearsing these songs up, and we went into the studio to put them down and everything. And I was trying to get a decent vocal, and Steve was lying, cl- clutching his stomach in the other room. He was sick, huh? Yeah, he was sick. <laughs> you, nursed, you nursed him back from the dead, huh? No, and he fell in no. love with you. Is that what happened? Well, yeah, he fell. He that that was him. I thought, oh, maybe I, um, maybe I did a horrible vocal, but actually, he he was sick because he had fell fallen in love with me. My footsteps echo from between. And cross town, gathering a little speed. I pass the doorway where we huddle from the cold and think about us. No time is stolen from your smile. 
Beth has. Beth Fichet Wood. If you're enjoying our program, please subscribe. This is John Hoisenstam and the Guitar Life. <laughs> he was. Oh, poor guy. And then, and then, uh, you know, so. That's here, well, here we are. Yeah. Uh, you've, ri- you've raised two kids. I yeah. Mean, wonderful men. I should uh, congratulate you on that. Yeah. When I was in New York uh, visiting my daughter Rachel, yeah, right. uh, I got out and I got to see some live music and I saw uh-huh. uh, Nate playing in uh, Nate Wood playing a, yeah. in a jazz club, uh-huh. uh huh, kicking yeah. ass and uh, yeah. yeah, we had a great little chat. I said, so the little the little drummer boy from Laguna Beach uh, decides <laughs> he's going to get in his van and drive out to New York and he's going to conquer New York with his jazz drumming and he goes, yep, that's exactly what I was going to do. <laughs> And I just looked at it and went, what guts does this guy have? You know? Yeah, right. But he's really done well for himself, and I guess we're yeah. all proud of him out here in Laguna. Oh, my gosh, yeah. Good for him, huh? Yeah. And then, yeah. of course, Jimmy. Jimmy, he's, I, did, I didn't know he was such a talented cabinet maker. Yeah. 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 I knew he was a yeah. kung fu uh, master. Yeah. But because uh-huh. uh, Vaughn, you know, my son Vaughn and well, you guys uh, hung out doing that. Uh-huh. Yeah. But he's actually a very talented uh, cabinet maker, and he's a father now. So yeah. you guys are grandparents. Uh-huh. What's yeah. that like? Oh man, that's just awesome. It's just—it's <laughs> just the best thing ever. It's just, yeah. It's just in, just, it's the, they just have the one kid. They just have two. They have two. They have two so, now. Yeah, they have I a boy know that. and a girl. So they have a little girl who's seven months old. Oh, well, that must just, be charming. Oh, it's just. It's just great. great. You didn't have a girl. You had two boys. Yeah, Having we the had, little we granddaughter have, yeah, must be. So, uh, yeah, it's that's like a lightning bolt with, and uh, then Steve, with you know, a, per, a pink Steve, heart tied to it. Right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I had two sisters, but Steve only had a brother. So, oh, you good know. for you. Anyway, so that was. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, so well how, did, really uh, well. how did that evolve? I mean, like Nathan um, playing music with his parents. I mean, that, that's just. Yeah. I mean, that, that's like the ultimate for a kid. To be able to mix with uh, yeah. great professional musicians, so he was just a natural. By the time no, he he started. That was his first. That was his first drum, right there. Still have it. Yeah, still have it. That uh, when when he was two, by the time he was two, he wanted to play drums. Yeah. And my my dad just out of the blue called and said, "Would you mind if I got Nate a drum for his birthday for his second birthday?" And I said, "That would be perfect because he loves playing drums," and so. That there was his first it. drum, and he started playing drums when he was two, and by the time he was three or three and a half, he was laying down a great groove, and he he taught himself pretty much, and right. he would watch Frank, and he would watch Tris. Yeah, well, God, if he's around Frank Cotinola, and he's, Tris, he, he's around the Chris Tris, Tris Bowden. Yeah. Oh, you know, so <laughs> major influences. I mean, yeah. they've influenced thousands of drummers oh, anyway, but he's he's uh, you know yeah. he's tugging on their pants. Show yeah. me how you play that. Yeah, yeah, and so it was really fun. It was an 
amazing thing. That was yeah. one of the most amazing things in the world. To I've got to source. play with him a couple times. Yeah, he's yeah. a true, a true musician. Yeah, he's got the MIDI cable. Yeah, plugged into all the musicians on the stage. Yes, and yeah. we we helped with that. Yeah, I'm we sure you did. That. Because you know, it, when he was coming up a little bit, it was it was the um, when he was coming up in the in the '90s or yeah, late '80s and '90s. It was the uh, it, it was the kind of a it was the habit of drummers and bass players to feel like they were their own little club and everybody else was idiots. And so they'd pay yeah. attention to themselves and they wouldn't even bother paying attention to anybody else. And we straightened him out on that. <laughs> we straightened him out on that. We told I know him, what you're talking about. You know? yeah. And then he, we said, you, you have to listen to everybody in the band, mostly the song. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. he did. And so he went, oh, and he's always been one of those kind of guys that went, if he heard something that made sense to him, he goes, oh, and then he just changes and he does it. Intuition, so, yeah. Yeah. Well, well, talk about uh, talk about songwriting a little bit. So, okay. so uh, you've done a lot of it, and you've had some yeah. uh, success uh, with not, uh, soundtracks and stuff, right? Uh, movie soundtracks. Not me. And, that's Steve. Mainly Steve? Yeah, that's Steve who's done this. You know, I didn't get into songwriting because I was surrounded by fabulous songwriters. Okay. So I didn't even get into that until I was 38. Okay. was when I finished my first song because uh, everybody else was writing about the stuff I wanted to write. Oh, okay. Except they were writing way, way, way you were, better. You were the humble uh, humble yeah. genius in the wings. Yeah. Well, I was just I was just learning every song after song. You know, thousands and thousands of songs. I right. just learned thousands of songs. I, I would learn three a week, maybe, for the whole time. And so I got all these songs in my head. Mm -hmm. And then finally, finally, I was going through some stuff that, that nobody was writing songs about, so then I had to write my you own had to, songs. You had to pull out the, the trump card and yeah, write the song. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Wow. <laughs> so, oh, that's so, fantastic. Yeah, so that's when I started writing that You know, using using uh, uh, the podcast interview like this as a, a, a format to uh, express, uh, was there anything that uh, you were hoping that you could talk about today that uh, might uh, I, I, be appropriate for I, something like this? I don't even know. I mean, there's, there's one subject that I, we were talking about that I was just thinking about today, about how, how fortunate it is. You just feel so lucky to have been born with something that you love so much. Mm -hmm. That you just you just automatically uh, arrange your whole life around this, and you yeah. can't you can't misbehave. You can't do things that hurt yourself because if you hurt yourself, you're hurting the instrument that is trying to do this thing that you love to do, and you mm -hmm. can't do that. You know, and you have to pull yourself out of any toxic situation that you might be in because you can't fool with that. It's not like you. It's like the thing that enables you to do this thing that you love so much. Are you much. talking about uh, like drugs and that yes, sort of I'm stuff? Yes, I'm talking about that stuff, or or in toxic mm. relationships with people. Where, oh, okay. Where people, people that people that stand in your way from achieving. Uh, yeah, or mu just musically. people that kind of manipulate you, or or sure. try to you know try to mistreat you, or whatever it is. And there there were there were some situations of that threatening, but I never. Even though I didn't, I didn't have a very good high self-esteem. Um, I still would never let anybody t 
you know get between you and your music yeah be be bad to me so so I mean, so, so but, but you're you're here you are you're a, you're a female right you're a lady and you're surrounded by by men there's a uh -huh. lot of decadence that happens in a lot of these clubs right yeah absolutely you probably saw just about everything that you could probably you could probably write well, books books about it yeah but but you know it, it, it was it was kind of funny because they how did were, you ward off that how did you like protect yourself they liked me very much you know they the the people i worked with in bands and everything Mm -hmm. liked me very much and they they were doing what they were doing but they were not especially wanting to subject me to they were looking after you they were kind of looking after me well that's good you know <laughs> they were they were kind of looking after me we all kind of looked after one another you know i mean we we weren't idiots mm -hmm. to each other very much i mean we th there was some misbehavior with some drugs and this and that and you know well that's it's in every band in, and, in the youth in yeah. youth you know there are very few yeah. uh but but people, people that could avoid yeah. that but people just for some reason didn't didn't especially want to take me for granted they didn't do that so that was nice even though they tell dirty jokes around me of course but. yeah <laughs> you probably got a lot yeah. of those you could tell uh, well, so so i'm looking yeah. i'm looking at a website here uh you know advertising um CDs or recording projects that you have, uh -huh. starting in uh, 19, yeah. 1989 all the way up to 2016. Yeah. Like 2016, left, right here. Yeah. What was uh -huh. that about? Well, uh, that that was a uh, just a a project of my songs, and it's just got Nate and Steve on it mo okay. mostly. It's only got one other person on it that does one solo, and then. Other than Did that, Nate play bass. You Nate know, plays everything. <laughs> Nate plays everything. I know he's a multi yeah. multi instrumentalist. No, he plays everything. But it, it was it was one of the most fun things I ever did. It was it's all my songs uh, that I'd collected over about five years or something. Mm -hmm. And Nate Nate was going to be out here to play on something else, and and he had promised to play on a couple of my songs. So we were sitting in here, right here. I was playing. I played him a couple of my songs, and he said how many of those things do you have? And I said, oh, I've got lots of them. And he said, okay, I'm going to come back in April and we'll do four days. A man of his word. Yeah, he'll do, we'll do four days. And then uh, he just, it was Steve and me and Nate and we just laid it all down. How you know, fun is that? I, um, I, I put down guitar vocals, uh -huh. live guitar vocals. To a click track? Sometimes click, sometimes not. But that's the magic of Nate is he can... He can Listen, hear the time. He can yeah. hear the time, and he'll remember where it's a little bit slower. But I have very good time. Uh huh. I'm not Nate Woods' yeah, mom for you, nothing. <laughs> you, you're an experienced veteran yeah. at rhythm guitar. I, I'm pretty. Uh, I got pretty good. <clears throat> time. So, so well, what about Red Red Sky in 2010? Yeah, that was um, that had more people on it than than just. But Nate has had. Nate's been on. Of course, Steve has produced, co-produced these with me, all of those projects mm -hmm. with me. And then that had Nate on as well, but not in such a, you know, in such an important. And uh, Angel, Angel on my shoulder in two thousand five. Are these all similar type of a no, project or? No, no, they're just all kinds of weird crap. I mean, it's it's Don't Angel say on my crap. shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> well, Angel on my shoulder was a uh, it was a whole pile of covers. Oh, okay. So there's there's no original music on Angel on My Shoulder, but it was it was all my favorite covers, and Steve decided it would be fun to have go over to Slovenia. Are these all available on CD Baby or something, yeah. or on yeah, iTunes and CD Baby yeah. and uh, yeah, 
Spotify and all that kind of stuff? Yes. They yeah, are. okay. Uh-huh. Yeah, so so they're all available on iTunes, yeah. And so um yeah, CD uh but anyway, so that was a weird one cuz Steve decided that he wanted to do a funny um band with that one um Angel on my shoulder which was the band was accordion, viola, violin and cello. And that was the basis for the whole thing. And of course okay. my guitar and a little bit of piano, but we did all these pop tunes with that band. Wow! It's, so it's very strange. Not a not a skiffle band, but something no. something like uh, no. It's not a it's it's it, because they're Slovenian, so that yeah the 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 vibe of them was was just really well, that, different. That, that would be the type of thing just, you'd want to see if you were walking down the street and there was a band playing on the corner. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> except these these guys were in the you know in the orchestra in Slovenia, so they're very very good musicians. But uh, but it was just a, a wild and crazy. And I did most of the yeah. So in two thousand, you did an album called Silos. I know yeah. what a silo is. You know, it's yeah. a, gra- a granary or a, you yeah. know a grain tank, right? Exactly. What yeah. what, ha- what happened with that album? I mean, what, what's oh, that all about? Oh, nothing. It, nothing happened with any of these. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, you, at least you, yeah, at least you published them, and you, you, you published them, and they're mm-hmm. out there where people can. Uh... But uh, Silos was a a friend of ours named Daniel May, who was who was a wonderful, wonderful piano player and a songwriter as well. He decided that he wanted to do a, a kind of a jazz, more jazz album with me, mm-hmm. and so like two thirds of the songs are mine. But then one third of them, uh, one third of those songs is are like jazz standards kind of thing. So that's jazzier, mm-hmm. and it's got really wonderful players. But Nate Nate plays drums on it, and Steve plays on it, and stuff like that. Well, so that's you know, I'm, that ta- I'm so, talking with so Beth Fiche. Now, yeah. now your middle name is your, your original last name, right? Yes. Uh-huh. So it's F I T C H E T F I T C H E T. Yes. So yes. it's as pronounced Fiche. Fiche. <laughs> French. Don't ask me. That was a. But I'm just saying that so people that can find it. Uh, Beth, yeah. If they just look up Beth Wood, they can still find. Uh, yeah, but they'll find the wrong Beth Wood. There's another Beth Wood that's out there somewhere. There's huh? another Beth Wood. That's, oh, that's why. That's a good I, idea then. To that's why have I'm that Beth name in there, Wood. Then. Yeah, that's what I had to do, because they, they, you know, right at the beginning of the um, the whole internet, they were confusing her with me and put giving my credits to her and all that kind of stuff. So. So I had to take back my maiden. This has been really great talking with you. By the way, I'm really uh, I'm happy we did this. It's just really exciting for me to uh, really see it all. I mean, as much as much as I I can now, I I, I see much more of how it all went down. Yeah, and it's great. I'm sure there's plenty of uh, people that uh, love your music that want to know all these uh, these little snippets that are a lot of fun to hear about. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh, well, so it's, it's fun to talk. You you made it easy to talk. I'm hoping. <laughs> yeah. I, I've gotten better. My uh, my cohorts of people that I, I work with and for, they say by the time I get to number thirty, I should be uh, <laughs> be good a at lot it. better at uh, uh-huh. interviewing people. But this yeah. is, you're you're like you know sixteen, seventeen. Yeah. You know. Okay. I'm so I think I'm getting better. We're whipping you into shape then. Yeah, you're whipping me into shape, definitely. <laughs> you're great to talk to, though. I really appreciate it. Cool. Can you think of any other thing, maybe? <laughs> uh, any subject? Uh, uh, no. I'm, I'm uh, glad we didn't get, get political. There's, yeah, there's, there's, there's so many things to, there's so many things to being a good guitar player, but it's just, 
Well, no, I think we, we talked about yeah. that. You covered it. You... No, not really. I mean, because you really just always have to listen to yourself and always have to try to yeah. put as much, make your guitar speak as much as you possibly when can. When you love it, chances yeah. are other people are going to love yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. If yeah. you love every note, if you love, if you just feel this living thing under your fingers that you just... <laughs> Yeah, watch it. It's gonna crawl out from under your bed. <laughs> yeah, it's just yeah, it's just kind of. It, I did a song like that, you know. Uh-huh. I take the guitar out from under the bed and throw it around. <laughs> oh know? yeah, yeah. It's like yeah, it's uh-huh. a passion. It's it's just an extension, right? Yeah. Well, you, it, but you're, it, you're, you're 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 with the instrument in your hands. Yeah. You're actually making something that was invisible before visible. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's it's actualized. Yeah, it's, it's expressed. This is what impressed. I'm like on the inside. Take it or yeah. leave it. I think <laughs> I think Frank Zappa used to say, if you don't play with your middle finger up in the air like that, uh-huh. you're not you're not able to really like, yeah. you know, create. You know, you got to really uh-huh. like shine everybody on and let yourself come come to the surface. You know. Well, I don't do that. <laughs> you know, the thing is, I don't do that. I do the, I let the song come to the oh, surface. Okay. Because I I have spent a lot. Like I said, I I'm not been a big fan of mine you know because i i have a low self-esteem and stuff problems with that my whole life so i think everybody so does it was, so it was it was not let me shine it was let the song shine right get lost in the song get lost in the song yeah this is i i, w- I want everybody to see the movie i see in these songs that's you know that's wonderful just, stuff yeah well thanks for uh this interview today, yeah. I'm really uh, glad we got to talk. Yeah, yeah, me too. And hopefully uh, we'll get to talk again. Yeah, perfect. All right? Yeah, we can cover all the rest of it, right? <laughs> we covered a lot. <laughs> yeah, I think we did. All right, see ya. Okay. We've been talking with Beth Fischay Wood today. This is a Believe podcast. I'm your host, John Heusenstamm. This is The Guitar Life. Hope you enjoy our show. The station filled with last goodbyes And I searched your face for reasons You mentioned how the time flies And you're up in Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.